Hey, good morning, church. I'm so glad that you are worshiping with us and uh, hope you're inside and staying warm. Um, hopefully you'll have the opportunity afterwards, maybe after this service, you can go out and make a snowman or or, or uh, get some snow ice cream if it's really coming down out there. Probably shouldn't have said that in front of your kids. Sorry about that. Uh, but we're trying to be flexible and I'm so thankful for your flexibility with us and worshiping uh, with us, even if it is virtually. I told you this, is, this was not the plan. This is not how I had designed this weekend to go, but I'm uh, having to learn how to trust that the Lord's plan is better and he's doing a good work uh, in my heart too. So uh, why don't you take your Bibles and let's go to Habakkuk. And we're going to finish this series, finish this book today. Uh, we're in Habakkuk chapter 3 and uh, we're learning about how uh, Habakkuk is having to learn how to trust the Lord and, and sometimes we are too. And, and let's just be honest. We, we've all been going through something lately. Everybody's been going through something, whether it's dealing with stress or, or health concerns or maybe your friends or, or family have gotten sick or, or, or the challenges of your kids doing school virtually and, and everybody's just sick and tired of doing uh, Zoom calls and, and, and we're starting to have the winter blues setting in and we're going stir crazy because we're just stuck inside the house and the uncertainty of the future or maybe it's job stress or, or, or job loss or job search or, or we're just eating too much and spending way too much time in our comfy sweatpants and staying up way too late and we're just really really tired and really tired of all the news and can't take one more political meme or or, or tense conversation and waiting for change or or, or 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 waiting for vaccines waiting for snow days or waiting for the snow to get out of here whatever it is like all of us are going through something can i just ask you this whatever it is that you are going through right now are you growing in your faith? Are you growing in your faith through what you're experiencing and the circumstances that you're going through right now? We talked about this, that we want to be a growing church. I'm just going to acknowledge something, just going to be brutally honest with you. Right now, we don't have a whole lot of organizational momentum as a church. Like There's just been a lot of setbacks and challenges to all that, but, but, but that doesn't mean that, that God's not doing a good work. There actually may be a whole lot more that, that's going on below the surface than any of us realize. Sometimes there's things that are maybe even imperceptible. We almost may not even notice them, but God may be using these circumstances and whatever it is that you're going through right now, this is my prayer, that he's helping to deepen your faith and help you trust and grow in, in your dependence on the Lord and, and, and that you're growing in your relationship with Christ. In fact, like I know he hasn't stopped working. We, we have this promise, Philippians 1, 6, that if he started a good work in you, he's going to finish that. He finishes what he started. And Romans 8 tells us that he works all these things together for our good because we're being conformed to the image of his son. And so God can help us grow in our faith and become more like Jesus. Man, that would be something worth celebrating. And that's something to strive after, right? Just, just to be able to pray to God, Lord, don't let me waste this season, but, but, but use what I'm going through right now to make me press into you because I want to love you. I want to trust you more than I ever have before. That's the big idea that I want you to take away this morning. As we finish out the book of Habakkuk, let this be a reminder for you that no matter what you're going through, you can grow in your faith. When you humble yourself and trust 
that God is your salvation. So, so let's just kind of recap just a minute, okay? Habakkuk, uh, as we saw at the beginning of this, he was just struggling with all of the evil and the injustice and the brokenness in his world. And the fact that it, it quite honestly just didn't look like God was doing anything about it. But then, of course, God assured him he was doing something, that he was raising up the Chaldeans or the Babylonians, this, this evil nation, to, to bring judgment on the wicked rebellion of his people Judah. But then he was going to turn that around and, and bring judgment on that evil nation, on the Babylonians too, because God always does what is right. And, and, and then God's final word, as we saw last week in chapter 2, verse 20, the, the last verse there in, in that, he, he's assuring uh, Habakkuk of his power and his justice and his sovereignty. And he says this, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. The Lord reigns. He is, he is supreme. He is sovereign. So hush, be silent. And Habakkuk's just been so agitated and, and, and wrestling and, and, and questioning, but God kind of puts him in his place here. And quite honestly, the, 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 the book could have ended at the end of chapter 2. But I'm so thankful that, that we actually we see Habakkuk's prayer tacked on in response here in chapter 3 because it shows us and reveals what's going on in the prophet's heart. That God's been doing a good work below the surface here. Because he's learning to submit. And the book actually ends with this beautiful expression of faith. Even in the midst of some really difficult circumstances. So I want to read this uh, together with you. We're, we're going to go through the whole of chapter 3. But I want to just start with a, uh, the first two verses. So let's look at this. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 1. It says, A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet according to Shigianoth which we don't really know what that word means, and it seems to be uh, a musical term. So that would indicate that not only is this a prayer, but it's really a song. It's a psalm. Here's what he says, verse 2. O Lord, I've heard the report of you, and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember Mercy. We get the, the first of three responses to, to God's sovereignty that I think are going to help you grow in your faith if you're taking notes. Note this one. Get low in worship. Get low in worship. Like Habakkuk's responding the way he should respond when you encounter a holy God. He's, he's kind of growing in his faith here. And this encounter with God has made a huge impact on him. And you can see God's doing a good work in his heart. First, he was kind of complaining and, and, and challenging God, which we still saw the value in taking our struggles directly to the Lord. Like he cares and, and he listens. Praise God for that. But there's been this shift. There's been a change now. Because now we're seeing Habakkuk just standing in awe and reverence before God. He says, I've heard the report of you and your work, O Lord, do I fear? It's like he's learned to stop questioning and put a hand over his mouth and, and, and just acknowledge that God, God is holy. God is just. His plan is good. And he even asks for God to carry out his plan. He says, in the midst of the years, revive it. Make it known. Like he's so confident in God's righteousness and his justice that even though may not really like the plan. He's still praying, like, God, do it. Like, it takes so much maturity to get to that place, to be able to say, God, this isn't how I would do it. This, this wouldn't be my plan. 
but you are good and everything you do is right. So your will be done. But, but look at what he says at the end of verse 2. He says, in wrath, remember mercy. So he knows that God pouring out his wrath on sinners is just, is right. But he's pleading with God to be merciful. Like, yes, God, bring, bring judgment. Yes, come in wrath. But also, please be merciful. God said that he was going to bring judgment on his people. And it's because... They were evil, they were wicked, they were rebelling in sin. But then he was going to turn around and also bring judgment on their wicked enemy. And nothing about that plan was unfair. And Habakkuk knows that. Sin deserves to be punished. But we see the prophet here getting low and admitting his own need as well to receive mercy, that God would not treat them as their sins deserve. What a lesson for us. If we want to grow in our faith, man, we've got to get low in worship. Do you do that? When's the last time that you were, you were spending time with the Lord and you, you encountered him in his holiness and, and, and it just brought you to your knees and, 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 and confession in sin and, and, and recognizing your dependence on God's mercy? See, stressful seasons in life have a, have a tendency to kind of squeeze us. And sometimes when we're getting squeezed, stuff comes out and it's pretty ugly. Like, I'm just going to confess to you, this has been a stressful season for me. No doubt about it. But one of the things is, like, it's, it's almost been surprising to see this, like, anger coming out. Or, or I'm, I, I'm just feeling overwhelmed and then start getting frustrated when I'm feeling overwhelmed with how things are going, why things aren't working the way I was hoping for. Quite honestly, I didn't know that I had an anger problem until we had our discipleship podcast. So thank you, Matt and Ryan, for uh, really making me feel super guilty about that. I actually needed it. But man, seeing stuff in my life like that, like I'm learning, like I've got to repent. Repentance should be a normal part of my everyday time with the Lord. And the problem is, like, sometimes we're, 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 as I'm spending time reading my Bible, I'm just trying to, like, get it done instead of getting low. Which is probably an indication that I'm not taking my sin or his holiness seriously. But it should be a, a, a regular occurrence as we're encountering God in his word and honestly assessing our life that we recognize and sense our need to get as low as we can, as fast as we can. God is holy and we are not and we don't deserve to be forgiven. We have no right to, to, to be shown mercy, to be shown grace, which is why we get low and we humble ourselves before the Lord knowing that, that if he's not merciful, if he's not merciful, I'm going to get what's coming to me. I'm going to get what I actually deserve. But the good news, the good news of the gospel is this, that in wrath, God did remember mercy. That, that, that he poured out his wrath on his own son, Jesus Christ, in my place so that, that you and I could be forgiven and experience his mercy. Now, praise God, he doesn't treat me as my sins deserve. That ought to like, just cause me to get low in worship humility before him. But it leads us to our, our second response to God's sovereignty and justice. It's this, note this, remember while you wait. Remember while you wait. 
So, so I want to keep reading here, uh, but I'm, I'm telling you, like some of the stuff that we're about to read can get a little confusing, okay? So, so the, his prayer is about to turn to a, a poetic and even prophetic description of God's judgment and salvation. And, and sometimes as we read some of these things, we get bogged down in the details and we start losing. It's, it's important for us to just kind of keep the big picture in mind. So basically what he's doing is here, he, he's telling us the, a story of God winning the battle. Okay? That's what we're about to read. God wins the battle. You ready to hear that? Uh, look at verse 3. Okay? Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 3. It says that God came from Timon and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light and rays flashed from his hand and there he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence and plague followed his, at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. He, he looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of Kushan in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers or your indignation against the sea? When you rode on your horses, on your chariot of salvation, you stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. The raging waters swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their place as the light of your arrows as they sped at the flash of your glittering spear. You marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. Check this, verse 13. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the, the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. You, you pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. I hear, and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones, and my legs tremble beneath me. Yet, I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. That's significant, verse 16, just his, his, his response here. He says, I, yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble. Like, like what, what he's saying is like, God, he, he knows that God's judgment is coming. There's no stopping it. But, but he's not going to challenge God anymore. He's done questioning. Like, he gets it. How did, how did Habakkuk get to the place where he's now ready to quietly wait for it. Well, the answer is the first. He's heard the promises and the assurance of God. And then he also has intentionally brought to memory how God has worked in the past. He's actually praying and, and singing a song about it. While he waits for God to work in the future, he's remembering God's work in the past where he sees God's character in action. Okay, so he's thinking back on his history that he's read about in Scripture. Verse 3, that God came from Timon or, or Mount Paran. That's, that's actually in the south or, or really in the Sinai Peninsula. One commentator just kind of noted that, that that's an unexpected direction. 
You, you would have thought that, that God would have come from heaven to deliver his people, but instead he comes from the south. Like, didn't see that one coming, which is kind of consistent with what Habakkuk has been seeing lately. He's like, man, sometimes God just works in unexpected ways. But, but the fact that it's the Sinai region also means that he's remembering God's work in the Exodus where God uh, rescued his people out of slavery from Egypt and, and, and we're seeing God's, God's splendor and his power in these verses where he shakes the nations. Verse 8, verse eight there's a, a poetic description of him parting the Red Sea. He says, was your, was your indignation against the sea when you rode on your horses on your chariot of salvation? Like, how could you forget that epic victory of God where he parts the waters? And then he actually remembers another memorable victory, verse 11, where the sun and the moon stood still, which is recalling what God did for Joshua when he made the sun stand still so that he could defeat the Canaanites. And then again, verse 13, I love this, that you went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. That word anointed means that he's referencing the Davidic king. And whenever God's people in the Old Testament remember King David, they're thinking about, they're reminded of God's promise and his covenant with David, that through his line would come a kingdom with no end. And of course, that word anointed then becomes that word that we translate as Messiah. In the New Testament, it's translated as the Christ. And so this prayer of Habakkuk then takes on prophetic significance because the purpose, the reason for God's victory in battle, it says, is for the salvation of his people. That's why I did this. And that salvation, that victory, would ultimately be won by Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. And he's a, a God of salvation. Uh, there's a, a principle here for us, though. As we hear this epic, poetic uh, description of God's victory, we're reminded that whenever, whenever we're struggling, as we look ahead, we need to look back. We need to remember while we're waiting for God to work. Sometimes... When you're going through something that's really hard, that's, that, that's painful, that's challenging, we're actually tempted to question God and his goodness and wonder if he really cares about us. Like, why, why, why is he letting this happen? Why, 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 why isn't he doing anything about this? Like, how long am I going to have to wait? When is God going to do something about this? But see, when we look back, when we remember what God has done for us, what God has done for you in sending his son, Jesus, to save you, it will assure you of his character and his goodness and his heart for you. God is for you, not against you. So I don't know what it is that you've been going through lately. But don't doubt God's love for you. He literally died to save you, to rescue you, to give you hope, and to live with you forever. It's so important that we remember what he's done as we're looking ahead. And Habakkuk is learning how to trust here. And so I want to finish out his prayer to the Lord, starting in verse 17. Let's look at how he, how he ends this now. He says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. 
the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places, said the choir master with stringed instruments. Just praising the Lord here. Like he's not down here in the valleys. He's up here. This is actually the third response to God's sovereignty and justice. Note this. Trust him no matter what. Trust him no matter what. Verse 17 is actually describing a really, really bad day. Okay, and it may be hard for us to kind of appreciate the symbolism because most of us aren't really worried about finding blossoms on a fig tree. I mean, the closest that we come to that is buying fig newtons in the grocery store if you're into that kind of thing. Or, or the, that, that there would be no fruit on the vines. Like, I guess they're out of grapes or, or, or wine or, or raisins. Like, it's not that big of a deal. And, and, and most of us have, have never harvested our own grain out in the field. Or, 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 or like, we, we get our meat from the freezer section, not the field. And, and, and so maybe in our context, it's kind of easy for us to miss the significance of what he's trying to communicate here. You got to remember, this is an agricultural economy. So, so Habakkuk is depicting this, this barren wasteland. It's a famine. Like these are, these are horrible circumstances. And, and I know this is hard for us to picture because we just have so much. But if you could, could you just imagine, imagine for a minute that, that you walk into the grocery store and the grocery, every, every shelf is empty. There's no food. And, and, and that the gas stations have all run out and that your phone's not working anymore and your bank account has been depleted and your credit card is useless and there's no way for you to pay for your house. There's no way for you to feed your family or you lose your job and the stock market crashes and economy tanks and the government fails and there's no economic stimulus checks that are being sent out and, and, and China or Russia or some other superpower invades and, and Fairfax becomes this war-torn city and life as we know it it's just ripped apart and everything's in chaos. Okay, no, it's hard to imagine that might sound a little extreme. But that's what he's saying here. And Habakkuk is saying, even if that day comes, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. How many of us can honestly say that that would be our response? Man. Like sometimes I get so frustrated and, 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 and stressed out and bent out of shape and complaining because Amazon didn't deliver in the two-day window. Or, or that I'm so tired of, of waiting so we can try to get back to like normal where I could eat inside at Chick-fil-A. What's it going to take for us to get to the point, to the, to, to, to the place where we would just say, Lord, we trust you no matter what. God, no matter what, we trust you. Even if my worst fears come true and all the things that I worry about are the stuff that keeps me up at night. It might be, it could be COVID or, or cancer or, or, or a job loss or the loss of a loved one or, or being alone or frustration in politics or, or, or disappointments in life and things not turning out the way I had hoped for or financial setbacks or, or whatever. Like it doesn't matter the circumstances, no matter the circumstances. 
Remember, the heart of this book is chapter 2, verse 4, that the righteous shall live by his faith. This is what it looks like. To be able to say, even if I'm struggling, even if the world is just crumbling all around me, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and take joy in the God of my salvation. I trust him. I trust him. Think about this. The worst possible fate that I could face, that I would have to endure, is facing God's wrath and judgment for eternity. And he saved me from that. And yes, I, I may have to endure some difficult circumstances for a little while, but I have this promise that he is coming back someday. And when he comes, he's going to come in justice and restoration, and he's going to set all things right. He is the God of my salvation. I want to trust him. And I don't want to belittle the fact that sometimes you, you may be going through something that's really hard, really painful. You might be feeling like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Well, look what he says, verse 19. God the Lord is my strength. If we're going to grow in our faith, it's going to be his work. And in the strength that he provides. Are you growing in your faith? I, I, I know you're going through stuff right now. But maybe we need to take some time to ask the Lord to do a good work in our hearts even through whatever it is that you're facing. That, that God could use this season and all of these challenges to make you depend on him more and, and, and become more like him. That you get low and remember what he's done and trust him no matter what. God, would you do that work in us? We want to be a part of a church that's growing spiritually. We're, we're growing in our faith. We're growing in our trust in you. That no matter what happens, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how long things take, that we rejoice. That we trust that you are sovereign, that you are in control, that you are good. You've given us incredible promises, and so we hold on to your word. Lord, I pray that as a church, we would get low before you this week. God, I pray that as I open up your word, even if I'm just sitting in bed on my phone reading your, reading your word, that, Lord, in that moment, I would, be in, I would encounter you and your holiness and your glory, and I'd get low before you, and that you'd do a work in my heart. Maybe some things may be imperceptible, but we'll praise you if you're making us more like your son. God, do a work in us. Make us more like yourself. Help us to trust you. You are our strength. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.